It's a time of great victory. Your past does not have to dictate your future. We are on the solid rock, Christ Jesus. God's got something better for you. If you have your Bible with you or your smartphone, your electronic Bible, you have some form of the word, say, Amen. If not, watch maybe up here and maybe it'll, it'll appear on the magically the handwriting on the wall. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 3 is where we want to start this morning to lay a little bit of a, uh, some, a groundwork and get us pointed in the right direction. In Isaiah chapter 55 verse 3 from the New International Version, it says, Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. God is always encouraging us to listen, to hear, to hear what he's saying, but not just hear something over here, but to listen, to concentrate. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we set ourselves apart today to be to the praise of your glory. Father, we do that by coming and observing the word and looking at it and hearing it and listening to it and taking it in and asking you, Holy Spirit, to help us to be able to comprehend it and to apply it to the areas of our life right where we are. Father, it's impossible for any person to humanly be able to teach on uh, these wonderful principles that you have on the various levels of spiritual uh, maturity and and walk that that is represented in this room today, but you're able to take the word as it's uh, spoken and bring it into each heart. Father, from the simplest and then to the most complicated uh, areas and and, uh, issues of our life. So, Lord, we just trust you to do that. We submit ourselves to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There was a husband. He was concerned about his wife. He called the doctor up. He says, I'm really concerned about my wife. I I think she's going deaf. And the doctor said, well, why is that? He says, well, you know, I'll ask her things and she she won't answer me. And you know, I'll ask her several times, and then finally you maybe get a response. And he said, well, tell you what, let's, to try to determine how severe this is, he said, uh, tonight just, you know, stand about 15 feet from her, ask her a question, and then if no reply, move about five feet closer and keep that up until, you know, we see how bad this is. So sure enough, uh, he came in that night, and she was at the, at the bar there cutting some vegetables, and so he said, uh, he stood back about 15 feet, and he says, um, what's for dinner? No response, so he moved up about five feet, and he said, uh, honey, what's for dinner? She didn't say a thing. Walked up another five feet. What's for dinner? No reply. So he decided well, he'd just go right up there behind her. He just got right behind her and said, honey, what's for dinner? She said, for the fourth time, vegetable stew. <laughs> moral of that story is, it might not be other people that are having a problem hearing. It could be us. And that's really something that we need to consider. If you've been talking to God and you haven't felt like you've been getting a response, it could be you, it could be us that's having a problem hearing and not God. Sometimes, you know, it says that uh, his ear has not grown deaf and uh, he's not gone, gone, grown cold against us. So if there's a problem in the communication system with Almighty God, the good chance is that it's with us. If you'll open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 3, or if you already had them open, turn over to 1 Samuel chapter 3. 
I like this story. Hannah, uh, she, was, she couldn't get pregnant, and so she asked God to, to give her a child, and she said that if, if you give me a child, I'll give him back to you. And so she, sure enough, she was able to uh, get pregnant, and when the baby was weaned, she brought him to the temple and, and uh, named him Samuel, and he was there with the priest. And what a neat time growing up, you know, in the, in the temple there with different priests. He could get in on conversations and learn all this stuff. And <clears throat> so chapter 3 starts when he was just a, a young boy, and it's in verse 1 it says, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord <clears throat> under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. Uh, there were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of the Lord had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me? But Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and laid down. Eli's thinking, look, boy, I'm trying to get some sleep. Don't bother me. Verse 6, again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me? My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Verse 7, now Samuel did not know the Lord. In other words, he, he hadn't experienced hearing, hearing God and said the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel a third time. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called? And then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and laid down in his place. The Lord came and stood there. Wow. Calling as at the other times, Samuel. Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. Cool. Underline that. One more verse. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears of it tingle. Praise God. Now, first of all, I'm excited about this year. I believe this year is a year of increase and abundance where God is releasing. Amen. And so I believe God has something to say. He has something to say to his church. He has something to say to his people because he wants us to be in tune with what he's doing so that he can bless us. And, you know, if he's sending forth blessing, he wants it to fall upon us. Amen. So we don't want to be left out. So he wants to speak to us. He wants to convey to us these things. But to be able to communicate, it takes two, right? And so, just like with Samuel, God was speaking, but uh, and Samuel was hearing, but Samuel wasn't listening. In fact, in Matthew 13, 13, Jesus said, you know, hearing, they, I'll just paraphrase, hearing, they don't hear. Hearing, they don't understand. They're not perceiving what, what's going on. You know, to hear something, Everybody in here is hearing noises all the time. You're hearing stuff go on. Hearing is just a, unless you're hearing impaired, hearing occurs just naturally. It just happens, you know, and you hear stuff. But that doesn't mean that you're listening to everything, right? And uh, so there's a difference in, in hearing and listening. How many of you want to hear God's voice? 
Well, he had something to say. And just like there in, I believe in, in like in verse 1 there, 1 Samuel 3, it says, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. You know, it seems like that um, that might be the case that it is today. You know, we keep listening. We want to hear the Lord. And it seems like that, boy, you know, it's a little bit rare. He is speaking. And we need to be able to tune into that. But, you know, today seems like the culture that we live in today is loud, is noisy. There's a lot of stuff going on. There's many voices, if you will, speaking to us and a lot of things happening. And, and you know, um, according to research, I, I jotted this down, we are an increasingly distracted society. You know, they, they've looked over the, the last few years and just really the, the last 10 years specifically and said that we are an increasingly distracted society. In fact, even... With the millennials and on, they're saying that uh, conversation, there's not, it's not the same because, um, you know, used to when there was just a form of just face-to-face and the conversation, there's so much uh, the... Uh, how your your voice, maybe you might change, you know, the uh, influx of your voice and various things like that, or gestures and various things. There's a lot of ways to communicate. And now, you know, digitally and uh, it, through the various technology that we have, a lot of that's lost, you know. It just, just kind of comes on one level across there. And and so our communication is, is changing. And um, they also said in this research that uh, multitasking has become an essential part of our everyday life. <laughs> We're multitasking. We've got stuff going on all, everywhere, and we're listening to several different things at once. You know, doing one thing, have the news on over here, and have, you know, something else going over here in YouTube to try to figure out what you're doing on this thing that you're working on and whatever. And so just multitasking technology through cell phones and laptops and uh, Wi-Fi and Twitter and Instagram, you know, I mean, um, you know, even hearing aids now have Bluetooth that can hook up to, tele- to your cell phone. I was talking, when we went to Topeka, I was talking to our friend Mike Foster, who we used to sing with, and he was talking about he had, he had hearing aids now. He says, yeah, he said, it's cool. He said, I can hook it up to my, my cell phone. He says, I'll be walking along. I was like, yeah, hey, how you doing? And he says, and people think I'm talking to myself or something. No, I got a phone call. It's already happened. I said, Mike, that's kind of strange. And he said, you know, but so we got so much technology that we just are responding at things all the time. We got all kinds of voices coming at us, and we're multitasking, responding back, and um, you know, we're trying to juggle all these things at once, and how can we make out God's voice in the middle of all this stuff? Can we? Are we? Are we in a place to hear the voice of God? Can we hear the voice of God? The question really is, what are you doing to make yourself ready to hear God's voice? It's not a matter of just hearing, because we're hearing all kinds of stuff, but it's a matter of discerning and learning how to listen and recognize God's voice. You know, it's interesting. We, um, if you play you know, a recording or you hear someone's voice on the other on, on a telephone or something like that, you recognize their voice, don't you? And Jesus said, "Hey, my sheep know my voice. They recognize my voice, and they listen to me. They're listening, paying attention. So we've got to figure out." What are we supposed to do? What can I do to have myself in a position that when God speaks that I'm in a position to hear? The very, very first thing that you must do is believe that God wants to speak to you. See, one thing with Samuel is he didn't know. He didn't, he didn't believe because he didn't know that God was trying to speak to him. Sometimes we think, well, we don't know if God's trying to speak to us. Well, he might speak through a, 
you know, the pastor or a message or someone teaching this or that or whatever. And so that's how God's going to speak. But we don't necessarily just every second of our day we're walking and we try to put ourselves in the position that if God would speak, that we would hear him instantly at any second, any, any time of the day. Or do we think that, you know, it's just on occasion that, you know, when we come, maybe when we come into the house of God, sure, he wants to speak to us here. He does speak to us. He speaks to us in many ways through his word and through, you know, uh, various things that's happening. But he wants to speak to us, and we need to be in a position. So the very first thing is that you've got to believe that God wants to speak to you. Now, Samuel had been hearing, but he hadn't been hearing. <laughs> you see? And that's the way that most Christians are. We hear, but we're not hearing. Um, you know, we just, in fact, the definition says hearing is, is the act of perceiving sound by the ear. That's it. The act of perceiving sound by the ear. Sounds, sounds are just going off. Verse 10 there in 1 Samuel 3, the Lord came and stood there calling as at the other times. And so when he did come, when he did speak, when, when Samuel did hear him, God was still doing the same thing as he'd always been doing. See, so the problem wasn't with God. It was with Samuel not hearing. So it says, the Lord came and stood there calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. And so what happened? Samuel, now then, he believed because, you know, Eli says, hey, God's trying to speak to you. Samuel received that. He believed. And so he, what he did is when he went back, he got himself in a position of expectation, he, he believed that, okay, well, God is wanting to speak to me. I'm expecting to hear him. And when he was in a position of expectation and attention to God's voice, it says, then Samuel said, then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is what? Listening. Difference. A difference. Wives, you know what we're talking about. You can be talking and, and you think, well, I don't know if... He might be hearing you, but he might not be listening. Amen. All the wives said, all the men said, oh, me. And boy, it got quiet in here, didn't it? <laughs> wow. Um, so get in a position of expectation, anticipation. You need, when you wake up in the morning, you ought to be waiting to hear the voice of God. He ought to wake you up. You know, and I don't know if we will get to it in this series, but God speaks through dreams and visions as well. A lot of times God speaks in dreams and visions, and, you know, he wants to talk to us uh, on, you know, at any time. But a lot of times he can't get our attention when we're awake because we're so distracted that he's got to wait till we are asleep before he can speak to us. That's why a lot of times that he will speak to you in dreams. The sad thing is, is a lot of people don't recognize that God's trying to speak to them through a dream. So we might talk about that, too, on how to recognize God and through dreams and visions as well. Because it said... There in Samuel, the word of the Lord was rare in that particular day. And uh, even there, it says uh, in, in, uh, in the visions, he said, uh, uh, in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. There wasn't a lot, to, uh, you know, being revealed. Well, we hear a lot going on today. And let me just tell you also that there's a lot of false prophets out there today. So be careful what you're listening to. We need to hear God. So first thing is believe. Do you believe that God wants to speak to you individually? You. Well, you know, yeah, but I don't know if I'm good enough to. Hello, wait a minute. You'll never be good enough. But God 
loves you and he wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to you. So three times Samuel was hearing, but he wasn't really hearing. The fourth time, he, as he believed and he was expecting and he was anticipating, when he prepared to listen, then he was listening. And listening is different. And instead of just perceiving some sound coming and you know somewhere, listening is something that you uh, consciously choose to do. You choose to listen, right? You choose to listen. A lot of things be going on, you know. Again, there can be the television can be going on, the kids can be playing, and and uh, dogs are barking, and you're hearing all this. All of a sudden, something catches your attention. Maybe like there was a news flash on the on the television, and now you're listening. You've consciously made a decision. You choose to pay attention there and listen, actively get engaged and pay attention and listen. You kind of shut everything else out, don't you? Listening, it is different. Uh, it requires concentration. I know that's tough on some people. You know, it said that our society today is flooded with ADD. And uh, wait, what's that? Oh, never mind. Um, listening requires concentration so that your brain processes meanings from the words or gestures or whatever is being communicated. It is to hear something with thoughtful attention. Listening. To hear something with thoughtful Attention. That's why sometimes people think, well, the words of God so boring. Were you giving thoughtful attention or were you just kind of like, well, hearing? Just kind of put it over there and that's something to do and you're doing something else. Now, thoughtful attention. My dad used to talk about uh, sermons and this and that. Some might be boring, some others, but he'd say, well, take in the hay and spit out the sticks. Now, he, he was raised on the farm, so he always give references like that. In other words, you know, yeah, there's going to be sticks and everything. Just take in the hay and spit out the sticks. You know, sometimes you get more sticks than you get hay. But, you know, find the good and spit out the other, you know. So if the word of God's going forth, no matter how it's coming, you can still find something that you can apply in your life. Amen? But get ready to hear and listen. Hear something with thoughtful attention. I turn to John chapter 10, verse 27. I want to read from the, the New King James Version. This is a, one of the primary scriptures that people use when we're talking about hearing the Lord and how to hear God's voice. John chapter 10, verse 27 is where Jesus speaks and he says, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Now the big deal here is when you look up the, the Greek word for the word hear, and it doesn't just mean hear as in perceiving some sound, it means to listen with thoughtful attention. It's the Greek word. You want to learn some Greek today? It's akuo. Akuo. Can you say akuo? Yeah, so, you know, hey, you're learning something today. Uh, and, and in 12 other translations, it's, it's translated to listen. And um, in the Amplified Version, it says this. Jesus, it says, the, the sheep that are my own hear and are listening to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. The New International Version and 12 other uh, translations translate it. says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Wow. They listen. My sheep listen to my voice. You know, it's, it's um, pretty fascinating. Sandy and I had a chance to go to India a few years back, and when we were going, they, we found out that it was this particular season was the season that the shepherds would bring their flocks over through uh, the Himalayas. And so we took a horseback trek up the mountains and, 
and to, to be there, and we were, and it was pretty cool. And so I thought, well, hey, here's an opportunity for a shepherd. I'm supposed to be a shepherd to learn something from a real shepherd. And one of the neat things that we did discover was that uh, some of the sheep got away. There was like, what, a thousand sheep probably? But there was about ten shepherds. And, uh, you know, in fact, the, the Bible kind of talks about, you know, the, the 99, the one, the 100 sheep. And it says that the, the thought is that a shepherd could have up to like 100 sheep. And, and uh, he would be with the sheep. And they would get to know him. And they would hear his voice. And they would get comfortable with his voice. But somebody else come in and they would get scared or they wouldn't follow. Well, we saw that happen. Some of the sheep got ran off. And this one shepherd that came back looked up. He was over here on this cliff thing. And he just kind of said something. That sheep turned around and here it went and just started following him and here they, they go. <clears throat> they used to talk about that um, when all the shepherds would be out in the fields and they'd have all these uh, sheep out there, well, at night they would bring them into the sheep pen. You might have heard Jesus tell this parable about the sheep pen. He's the gate where they come through. And so they'd take like these thousand sheep and they, there was a thing called the sheep fold and it was a kind of a bricked in or a wall out of stone and things that they'd put from the fields out there. And at night they would bring the sheep in and let them go in there and um, all the shepherds would lead in and they would kind of take duty of who was going to be there and the one on duty would literally lay down across the opening and become the gate really the gatekeeper Jesus said he's the gate to the sheepfold but so would lay down there and to keep out you know the wolves and various things like that the next day when the shepherds would come out well, they would go in one by one. Here's all these thousand, a thousand sheep out there. And that one shepherd would speak, and he'd start out, and here they would come out. His own sheep would follow him out through that gate, and they'd go on. And here they'd begin to divide them up, you know, and they'd go into the various flocks again and go out and feed that day. He, you know, he's saying, my sheep know my voice, and they listen to me, and they follow me. Because when they're listening, they'll know which way to go. He goes on to say, and I, I'll give them eternal life. The uh, Weiss translation is an, an interesting translation. He goes back and really breaks down a lot of the stuff from the Greek and everything. And, and his translation puts it like this on John 10, 27. The sheep which are mine are in the habit of listening to my voice. That's really how the Greek word here, how it's used, is trying to say, my sheep, he says, or the sheep which are mine are in the habit of listening to my voice. And I know them by experience. And they take the same road that I take with, with me, and I give them eternal life. They're following him, taking the same road. Hey, wow, lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from the evil one. I want to follow the shepherd. You know, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. He's with me. The shepherd's with me. His rod, his staff, it comforts me. So I need to follow him. I need to know him. I need to know his voice because, you know, the day that we're going to, what's going to come about this day, we don't really know, but something's going to happen, and I need to be close with the shepherd so that when those things happen, the shepherd can take care of me. Amen? We need to hear his voice, be following him instantly at, you know, each step. He wants to direct us. So believe that he wants to speak to you. And then the second thing is get in a position to listen. To listen. Hallelujah. Listen up. 
You know, communication means uh, sending and receiving information. It could be gestures. It could be various things. I heard a story about old Fred went into the hospital, and Fred wasn't doing too good. Got the reports, and he wasn't doing too good. The family called the pastor up. So they're all kind of gathered around the bed, and the pastor's standing there close to Fred, and Fred's like getting this real uh, traumatic expression on his face, and he's looking at the pastor. He's like, and so, you know, they're like, well, you know, Glad we called Pastor. He's afraid he's not gonna he's not gonna make it. You know he's not gonna go up, and so we need to pray for him. And, and so he's like, and so finally he's so they give him a piece of paper and pen. He writes down something, and he just collapses and dies. And Pastor uh, takes the note and puts it in his pocket and prays and prays with the family, comforts the family. And so at the funeral. Uh, right at the end of the eulogy, the pastor realizes he had on that jacket that he had on when he was in the hospital room. They're visiting Fred, and so he said, "You know, uh, I happen to have this note. The last thing that Fred wrote, he said, oh, you know, Fred, um, you know, I'm sure he shared something uh, amusing and and enlightening and probably uplifting for us. So I just want to take opportunity to read that now. And, and so he opens it up. And he says, uh, "Help." You're standing on my oxygen cord. <laughs> Little late. <laughs> Sometimes God's communicating <laughs> all kinds of stuff. <laughs> okay, okay. We're not catching it, you know. We're not, you know. I mean, we're not really listening. We're kind of hearing him uh, making some moans and groans, but we're not tuned in. We're not giving thoughtful attention, trying to figure out what is being said here, what's being communicated. Amen. God wants to communicate with us in all kinds of ways, you know, throughout our daily life, and you know, we, we've talked about different, even. You know, God had initiated feasts and, and gave various seasons throughout the, you know, the, the year, natural seasons. But there's also spiritual seasons. And at the very first of this year, we began to talk about the season and what God wanted to do in this season. The season of, of abundance and overflow. And God's trying to speak to us. But people, it doesn't do any good to, like, you know, three or four years later, oh, yeah, by the way, I want to read this. And like, oh, I wish I'd have caught that few weeks ago or a few months ago or a few years ago, I wish I'd have got that. Have you ever heard the word of the Lord come and revelation comes to you and you're thinking, man, if I would have just heard that when I was going through this problem or this trial or this situation or when they were standing on my oxygen cord, I, you know, I would have been a lot better off. But, you know, well, you could have if you would have been in a position to listen. Oh, wait a minute. Now we don't like that now because that that's our fault. We like it to be somebody else's fault, right? But maybe we weren't in a position. Maybe See, I believe God is speaking. Just like with Samuel. Samuel! What is it, Eli? Go to bed, kid. Well, I don't know. Eli kept calling me, but I hear everything else. That's God. God is speaking. He's speaking to you. And he wants us to learn how to listen. Do you think it's important? Do you think... That it's important enough, if God has something to say, that it's important enough to try to listen. You know, I bet old Fred wished that uh, they had taken it a little bit more serious, what he was trying to communicate, amen? 
in Matthew chapter 16, verse 16, here's an example. And I think last time we looked at this just as an example of how random things can be in our spiritual life. But in Matthew 16, 16, Jesus is, is asking the disciples, you know, who do men say that I am? Who do people say that I am? And, you know, they well, some say that you are uh, Elijah or hey, you're the prophet and this and that and various things. And so he said, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the Messiah, the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, ha, ha. now, Peter, nobody told you that. He says, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, you know. You didn't hear that from somebody else. You heard that from God. God revealed that to you. So Peter, and so Peter's like, huh, that's right. That's me. I, I'm Peter. That's me. I'm the one that heard God. Me. I'm the rock. No, you're the pebble. <laughs> And he said, on this rock, I'll build my church, meaning that revelation of who Jesus is. He was going to build his church. And he said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against that. When you're listening, you're in tune with God in a revelation uh, form of communication, coming and going and understanding that Christ, the Messiah, has redeemed us, set us free. He's come to release us and to restore to us and that we would walk in dominion and authority. The gates of hell cannot prevail against us, the church. Amen? And boy, one day we're all fired up and we are binding and loosening and we're, yeah. And then the next day, look, that was verse 16. Verse 16 of Matthew, Matthew 16, Peter says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Verse 17, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And just four verses down in verse 21, is it up here, verse 21? Uh, he says, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. They're hearing, they're hearing, they're hearing all this stuff. And Peter took him aside. Here's Peter, because he's, you know, he's the man now. He's the man. And so Peter takes him aside and began to rebuke him. Yes, he did. Uh -huh. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Whoa, wait a minute. One, you know, four verses earlier, he's got the mind of God. Four verses later, he got the mind of man. The devil, he listened to the, what the devil is saying. I mean, you know, some Peters. <laughs> I mean, you know, are we, you know what? We can't just point the finger at Peter because let me tell you something. If I've learned anything in 40 years of ministry is that we are all like Peter. At one minute, amen. One minute, they're saying, amen, pastor. The next minute, they're saying, they're rebuking me face to face. <laughs> to my face. Okay. What happened to that revelation you had about 30 minutes ago? <laughs> you see? So, wow. We've got to be careful. And this is what the Word of God says. In Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, 
This is why we've got to learn how to recognize the voice of God. Proverbs 14, verse 12, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Hey, it seemed right to Peter. No, Lord, you're not going to be taken in and killed. No, never, not you. That's not going to happen because you're the Messiah. Because they were looking for a kingdom. But Jesus said, no, you're looking for a kingdom. I'm coming with a kingdom. <laughs> and so they were, Peter was rebuking Jesus because you're not going to die. And, and Jesus is like, you don't even know because unless I die, I can't bring in this kingdom. But they weren't catching it. They were hearing but not listening. The message translation of Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a way of life that looks harmless enough. Look again. It leads straight to hell. Whoa, be careful. Be careful. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. John's writing, he says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test. Everybody say test. Test the spirits to see whether they be from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Yeah, there's a lot of things being said. There's a lot of things, you know, out here. But be careful. Not everything is of God. Just because they say Jesus or this or that, that doesn't mean that it's right. Here's Peter. He's proof of that for sure. The message translation there of, of 1 John 4, 1 says, My dear friends, don't believe everything you hear. Carefully weigh and examine what people tell you. Not everyone who talks about God or is on YouTube come. Oh, I put that in there. <laughs> come, comes from God. Carefully weigh and examine. I'm glad you're listening. You <laughs> carefully examine. He says, "So test these things out." And so, what we started a couple of weeks ago was sort of looking at this test that some that we've got to run things through to know if what I'm hearing is really is that really God or or not. You know, Super Bowls of Minnesota, and uh, I saw Al Roker. You know, he's the weatherman on. I know Al, and they showed him ice fishing because it's a big thing up in Minnesota, ice fish. And he was he catching a fish, you know, and so it's a big deal. So there's some others they thought, hey, I want to go ice fishing. So get the get a pole, get this thing to cut a hole in the ice and sit down cutting a hole there. And all of a sudden, there are no fish under the ice. Okay, I'll just go over here. Picked up, got picked up, went over, found us, plopped down, start drill a hole in that ice and cutting that ice and. There are no fish under the ice. Goes to another spot. Drills another hole. I'm going to get this ice fishing down. There are no fish under the ice. Is that you, God? No, it's the ice rink manager. Not every voice is God, <laughs> and you need to be careful. I mean, boy, there's prophecy, and there's a parking lot prophecy, and you're supposed to go do this, and you're supposed to go. There's no fish under that eyes, buddy. <laughs> you know, don't do that. you got to test and approve everything. Check it out. Test it out. Make sure we hear God. i got to make sure that I'm hearing God's voice, not some other voice, or my inclination to do something, because we're all inclined to do things because of just maybe our selfish ambitions or our own drive and things that we desire in our own life. And so we've got to be careful. And so the very first thing 
And we did talk about this last time was the very first thing that to, uh, to test to see if it's going to work is, does it line up with the Word of God? If you're getting an inclination, a, a thought, a, a perception, a, a, you know, a word, you're thinking, well, this, is, this is what God is impressing upon me. Uh, if it doesn't line up with God's Word, then throw it out. We won't go into that anymore because you can get the tape of that from a couple of weeks ago. But Jesus said this, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. You know, the word of God never changes. The economy changes. Uh, you know, people change. We change. And uh, everything else changes, but God's word doesn't change. So truth is eternal. Opinions change. And uh, science changes, but truth never changes. So first thing, it's got to line up with God's word, and if it doesn't, throw it out. Don't even go any further. The second thing is, will it uh, express Christ's character? With what is I'm being, what I'm perceiving here, and what I'm either getting ready to do in my life, or say, or you know, uh, to someone, or whatever this is going to, you know, this word this, uh, that I'm getting from God. If it doesn't, you know, point and express the character of Christ, then that's not, it's not right. In other words, would you find, is this something that Jesus would do? You know, is this somewhere Jesus would go? Is it some, the way that Jesus would act? Whatever the direction, this thought or idea, this word from God is trying to impress upon you, is it something that Jesus would be involved with and, you know, will it express, express his character? If not, throw it out. Move on. We talked last time we got into this and talked in some detail about it. But in Philippians chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 5, in the New Century Version, it says, In your lives you must think and act like Christ Jesus. So it needs to be what Jesus would do. What, remember, what, WWJD, what would Jesus do? Does it line up with him? And, in fact, Paul tells us, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, when we're that, that chapter or that verse that begins this discussion about the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not of this world, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. You know, that's where he begins to talk about, about these things. And, and he says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. In other words, we demolish these things. If it's what we know about God, if this argument or this, this idea, this um, plan, this new concept, if it challenges what we know about God and God's character and the character of Jesus, then you need to abolish it. You need to throw it out. Don't even entertain that. That's why we have weapons for it, to throw those things out. Any uh, pretense, you know, any um, uh, thing that uh, any, like a... Uh, set of arguments or thoughts to try to say justify this particular thing. You know, that's what happens most of the time when we fall into sin or we have a pet sin. You know, we try to say, well, yeah, let's see. And we try to justify how that would, yeah, you know, well, Jesus did that, you know, and, or, that, or he would or that's whatever. You know, we try to justify it in the sense of that that's what the Bible would say. But you got to be careful. We can... People have turned the Word of God all different directions and made it say a lot of different things. But is it full of the character of Christ? 
And the character prices really seen through the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control is the way we see those things. Look at, chapter, look at James while we're here. Let's just look at this in James chapter 3, verse 14. Because James, this is the brother of, of Jesus. In verse 14, James says, But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or, or deny the truth. Such wisdom, such revelation, such knowledge, such you know, thinking does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual of the devil. So, you know, if we got some bitter envy, you know, against somebody and or some selfish ambition, something that we're going to want to achieve on our own, you know, I'm going to get my way on this thing. We're watching how to manipulate to be able to bring about our way. He said, wait a minute, that's not from God. That's not from God at all. That's not how Jesus would do this, trying to undercut somebody or, or whatever, and you know, so I can have my way or I can exalt myself. So he says, uh, verse 16, For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Wow. Wow. Isn't that what happens? You know, I've heard people say a lot of times, well, you know, I've been hurt worse in the church than I have from people I work with. Of course. You know, if, if sinners don't have nothing against you, you know. But boy, the devil will try to take and turn Christians against each other. And we're supposed to show the, the manifold wisdom of God through us. That's what Ephesians 3.10 says, that, that through the church, through us, we're supposed to show God's wisdom and his character and who he is. And the devil says, oh, I fixed that. And so what does he work with? Selfish ambition, you know. Remember the disciples, uh, oh, can I sit at your right hand and, and he can sit on your left hand and we'd be cool, you know. And then the rest of them, they're going to have to take their other seats. But, man, can, can we do this? And, and Jesus is like, wow. Even mama was coming in trying to put in a good word for her boys, you know, get them a little uh, you know, higher place up there with, with him. Selfish ambition. He said, well, them disciples, they were a mess. Oh, yes, we are. Oh, yes, we are. <laughs> yeah, we got to watch ourselves. Verse 17, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, sub submissive. Whoa. Most people leave church out of something, and it's because they're not submitted. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. There ain't no fish down there. Full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Really? Wow, give me some Christians that are pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace or raise a harvest in righteousness. Give me some, a church full of uh, some people like that and we'll change the world. Wow. He says there in chapter 4, verse 1, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your, de your desires that battle within you? These things you haven't ever got over, you haven't uh, conquered, and, and those are the things that's, that's where all this is happening. They come from your, your desires that, that battle within you. So this is a good filter to run this thing through. If it's coming out of some selfish ambition that I'm, I'm going to try to get, I'm going to get Gilbert's place, you know. I want his spot. You know, and, and then I'll be somebody. I'll be whatever, whoever Gilbert was. I, I'm going to be that spot. 
And, and, you know, instead of trying to come and submit myself to Gilbert and trying to help him accomplish what God's trying to work through him, if I help him uh, get to where he needs to be in Christ, guess what? I'll be where I need to be in Christ. Amen. You know how Joseph got to be second only to, to Pharaoh? He interpreted other men's dreams. Thrown in prison, all these other things, you know, when he interpreted other men's dreams, all of a sudden he found himself sitting. No other, nobody else, second only to Pharaoh, and he was calling the shots because he was humbled, he was sincere. He, there was no selfish ambition there. Man, you want God to speak to you and through you? Get your act together. Get your heart right. Get rid of us and, and let the Holy Spirit fill us full of him and Wow, you'll find God just using you and opening all kinds of opportunities for you. And if, if you're mad and, and sad and all those words like that, and, you know, then you, you're frustrated and you're sitting over there pouting, it's because you, you got upset about something and God was trying to see how you're going to take it instead of submitting and, and being humbled. We got upset and mad and and pouting and hello now we're talking church right come on now come on amen say amen pastor <laughs> if it's motivated by bitterness or envy you know somebody hurt us so we're going to tell everybody we're going to get everybody else against them is that how we're supposed to be in the church Man, wow, trying to make our, so we can get our, make our move. That's what Absalom was doing out right at the gates and trying to get everybody to line up with him so he could overthrow David. Hmm, wow, selfish ambition. Um, but it says these things, uh, you know, here's the way it should be motivated. Verse 17 says the wisdom that comes from heaven or, you know, the, the, the mindset, the, the thinking, the, the base of thinking and reasoning that uh, comes from heaven, uh, James says, is first of all pure, pure, free from impurities, in other words, free from selfish, free from fleshly thoughts or of what, you know, I want, the old nature, the old creation in me. That part supposedly died, but I'm letting it have its way through these particular uh, thoughts and motives that are happening in me. Hmm. He says, first of all, it ought to be pure, um, you know, perfectly in tune, innocent in tune with God's will, his way, working for him. It ought to be uh, peace-loving. In other words, inclined to avoid conflict or aggression. You know, it's, it's peace-loving. You know, can we all just get along? <laughs> I mean, really, you know? I mean, uh, and, uh, uh, you know, will it cause conflict uh, or uh, is it going to result in conflict here, you know? And, and we're going to have a throwdown and we're going to have my side and that side and, you know, and we're going to see who wins. And wow, wow. Peace loving. Consider it. Consider it. If I'm considerate, that means I'm going to be careful not to harm somebody. I'm not going to do something, you know, that offends somebody. Consider it. Considering other people. Submissive. There we go. Yielded. Ready to conform. <laughs> Ready to conform to the authority or will of others. Being meek. Being obedient. 
That's why most of the time why we, we don't get our way and we don't want to be subordinate it, because, you know, hey, we don't think it's right. Well, maybe we haven't been in tune what God's been saying because we're hearing something else. You know, we're hearing stuff, but we, we're hearing us first or something else over here is getting real quiet in here now, isn't it? But isn't it true? People, the more we head toward the coming of the Lord, the more we're going to see this rampant in the church. And it's rampant now. We're not hearing God. We're hearing us. We get discouraged, you know, and we we hear these thoughts come in, and then we get to thinking now, and Satan's over there, you know, telling us these things, and we get feeling sorry for us. You know, we just get hurt, and we get discouraged, and so, you know, we don't like that, so we're going to go find a place where we can not be so discouraged. Wait a minute. I'm not my own anyway. I've been bought with it. Why did I get discouraged? Well, somebody took my place. Well, that means you got a better place. I mean, aren't we to be holding one another up? Love is giving of ourselves to another so that that other person is fulfilled and affirmed. What did Jesus do? He loved us. He loved us so much that that he went to the cross to die so that we could be fulfilled and affirmed in who God said we are and, and affirmed in God's plan for us. He loved us, so he submitted himself to the will of the Father. It didn't make sense, and he cried out, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. He was struggling with what? With himself. He could have been thinking, oh, Peter just was out here telling me all this stuff. And I don't I have to die for him? So we don't know. You don't know what he was, what all was going through his mind, but it said he sweat drops of blood because he was fighting this thing about overcoming his ambition and his will. He could have called a legion of angels down and said, you know what, just forget this. I am going to go ahead and set up my earthly kingdom. I'll show them who I am. I am the son of God. I am almighty. I'll set my throne up and I'll destroy every one of them. He could have. He could have. But that wasn't the will of the Father. Mm -mm. It wasn't time. We had to get into this thing. We had to get into this thing. Submissive. Wow, that hurts. Full of mercy. (laughs) Hmm. Compassion. Our forgiveness shown towards an offender. Really? Really? Lord, how many times do I have to forgive them? Seven? About 70 times seven. Mercy. Mercy, mercy. Hmm. Good fruit. Full of good fruit, which is the fruit of the Spirit. So is this thing that I am being pointed toward that I think is God speaking or this is what I think I need to do? And, I mean, if I'm thinking I need to do it, it better be God speaking to me, right? And a lot of times we will validate it to everybody else by saying God told me to such and such. So is it full of love? Is it expressing his love? And is it out of love? Will it create love? Will it produce love? Will it produce joy? 
and will there be joy? Am I joyful in doing it? Because you see, you can read about Jesus. It says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising his shame, and now he's set down at the right hand of the Father for the joy set before him. Wow. See, there was joy in that thing. Even when he sweat drops of blood, when he was agonizing, there was joy there. I want to tell you something. I found some joy when I was digging down deep and I didn't feel anything to be happy about. Well, I discovered that joy of the Lord is not happiness in this world. Amen. Joy is a deep inner rejoicing that takes me on through the difficulty. So is this thing going to produce joy? It might be tough, but you know what? There will be joy here on the other side of this. Peace. Oh, yeah, you know, a lot of times, well, I got the peace of God. Well, yeah, you just feel better because you ain't going to have to do it. That's what the deal is. I I know what that's all about because, well, you know, because I'm convincing myself, yeah, this is right because I I feel peace. Yeah, what it is is just I feel like I'm off the hook. I mean, I'm I'm staying in my comfort zone. Comfort is a disguise for peace. Hello. And don't we say, well, I just got the peace of God. You do? And in the midst of the storm, that's where usually you see the pieces that you find it in the midst of the storm, right? It's not on the beach over there somewhere in a lockdown tornado shelter. You know, it's in the boat, you know, when the water's crashing in. That's where you find the peace of God. When it produces peace that says I can be calm when things are falling apart around me or when they're falling apart around you, I'll stay in the boat with you. Peace. Every time God gets ready to move in this church or any other church, the devil gets stirred up. And you know what? People begin to, you know, either they're like, well, you know, whatever. Just It's just this, here we go. You get to this point where we're at this stage and you're ready to go to another level. And at that stage, we're all just kind of hovering around, getting ready to cross over the Jordan. And, and so, you know, well, I don't see nothing happening. I don't see nothing happening. Well, I'm just going to go cross my own crossing. Make, I got a better crossing than this. We just, just go over here. I heard them crossing down, on down the road a little ways. They're, they're having fun crossing. We're not having fun over here crossing. We're just kind of here waiting, hanging out. What's going on? So I'm going to go make my own crossing. But you know what? And then God says, well, let's just see who's ready to go to this next level. Gideon? Oh, man. You need to get rid of some of them. You got way too many, and they ain't ready. So thin all those out. You know, we got the dog, the ones that drink water like the dog, and you got all these. Here we go, sort them all out, and then get down. No, you still got too many. You know, sort them on down. I want those that are sincere, those that are ready, those that are alert, those that are listening. Because when I say break the picture, I want them to break the picture. When I say sound the trumpet, they need to sound the trumpet. Not like, well, who was, was that? Who was that? Was that Gideon? Or who? Break the picture. Sound the trumpet. None of this stuff. You've got to do it, you know. So you know what? Let's get in tune with him. He's calling us up higher. That's why I read that last verse there in Samuel where he says, I'm about to say something that will make everybody's ears tingle. Whew. Woo. 
he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Let him hear. Let him listen. Let him concentrate. Let him pay attention what the Spirit is saying to the church. Listen. Listen. I'm going to speak and your ears will tingle. Wow. Here I am. Lord, your servant. Lord, your servant.